Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't care where you are, what you're doing, what you've done in the past. There are going to be two things that hold you back. One is, and the most important, is how you feel about yourself and the beliefs that you have, which is tied to the identity that we talked about. The second part is... You can't let people, other people, tell you who you are. And I mean by this, there are archetypes, there are personas, there are stereotypes out there that if you allow other people to put on you, that will start to become your identity. You have to break through stereotypes and different personas and be who you are. And so the first part of that your identity, your belief system is the most important piece of it. If you do not identify with somebody that can make change, that can be successful, then you won't take the necessary habits that you need to, to do. But then if you allow other people to tell you who you are, that is only going to crush your own beliefs even further. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and we're going back into the crates, man. We're going back to summer 2019 and pulling out my man, Logan Freeman, who has a very different life and business today than he did a little over two years ago. Logan, how are things out on this beautiful Friday morning in Kansas City? It's absolutely wonderful. I just had a weird flashback back to 2019 in the summer. I remember exactly where I was doing the episode with you and feeling afterwards, who is that guy? What is he doing? I've never been on a show like that before. He asked me some deep questions and we just really hit it off. And then boom, now we're part of almost daily lives together. And yes, the lives have changed dramatically. We've gone through a lot of big changes in regards to the pandemic, me starting a new business. I mean, it's just been unbelievable the last two years. And that just gave me a flashback because I don't think backwards. 
very often or probably enough, but man, oh man, it's good to be back on the Dreamcatchers podcast. I can't believe that was two years ago. That's uh, that kind of blows my mind, but makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm excited to be here, man. And, and it's a great Friday. Yeah, man. So you got a new kid. You went from, I don't know, 30 units to 1200 units. You opened your own brokerage. Yep. I mean, give them some more. Like what's happened over the last two years? Give them some more. Man, I mean, I think the biggest change has been mentally and in my own mind. But in regards to the biggest changes, obviously, having two kids now is a big one. It changes everything about your life. And it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of love, a lot of energy. But it has blossomed me into a well-rounded individual that has allowed me to get perspective on life. And back in 2019, man, I was in a much different space just trying to you know, make it rain, make it work figure it out. Still doing that, obviously, but at a different level now. And I had my focus on a lot of things that maybe were not the best focuses at the time. And having the children has really allowed me to say, that's the perspective I need to make sure that my life is where I want it to be going. And so that's a huge change for me. It's just mentally that perspective change. My world's been opened up. I felt love that I've never felt before. I felt uh, emotions that I haven't felt before. I've cried. I've laughed harder the last two years than I could ever imagine. I'm closer to my wife. I'm closer to friends. I'm closer to you. I'm closer to a lot of other people. I've got my core group. That, you know, it's hard to infiltrate my circle. A lot of people try and I got the barriers at the right barriers. I put the right boundaries in place. And and so those are all big changes, man. I mean, obviously going from 30 units, 1200 units is an unbelievable difference in regards to the level of time that it takes to to uh, to take care of that portfolio, the amount of people we have. I had no employees at that time. We have 11 people in our business now. We have an office. We moved houses. We bought new cars. We sold old cars. We've I've gained weight, lost weight. I've been happy. I've been sad. I mean, it has been a roller coaster, but it's all been trending in the right direction, which is exciting for me because. When I look back two years from now, I can honestly say that I'm a better version of myself and continuing to become a better version of myself. And that is what I measure success on. Now, over the past year, we've been on this quest to 100 million in yep. commercial real estate. Let's talk about what you did in 2019 and 2020 from a volume perspective and then what you've been able to do in 2021, because I think it's going to be really illustrative of the point of leverage and delegation. Absolutely, man. So when I look at uh, 2019, I'm just kind of, just kind of pulling this stuff up for us right now. 2019 volume was 25 million. 2020 volume was 50.3. 2021, if you follow around the the compression podcast, you know, we're right on the $80 million and we got three months left. And when I look back to those lists, and I see where most of the transactions were done. It was in those last 30, 30 or those last three months, those last 90 days. So went from 25, doubled it to 50, doubling it again to 100 this year. So that, that I think, puts it in perspective. That's wild. And so I know somebody's scratching their head and like, what? But how does one grow so aggressively? What's the secret sauce there, man? What'd you do different this year than last? Well, I thought differently. I set a different goal, but 
this is it, I think, is luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And so I think a part of it was the opportunity that I had, that I saw, that I didn't let myself say, you know, hey, I can't do that because I've never done it before. So I crushed that limiting belief, allowed my mind to expand to different levels to say, hey, I can't actually achieve that. So that was the first thing. I think the opportunity that the market that I'm in also gives me the opportunity to transact at that level. But I know guys and gals that are doing that across whatever market they're in. So it, it doesn't really, I think that's a, that's a non-issue, honestly, at that level. But for me, it was mostly mentally thinking that, hey, I know you did 25 last year. Let's go get 50. Okay, I know you did 50 last year. Let's go get 100. And not saying to myself, you can't do that. How are you going to double 100%? How are you going to grow 100% for two years straight, right? Like, you can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I mean, there's people growing 200%, 300%. So I expand my mind to, to find those stories of people that were doing it already and said, let me get to know these people. Let me read their books. Let me see what they're doing. And, and when I, what I found was these were very normal people. They were very normal people with great goals and great focus and great intention and great habits. I said, okay, great. Let's do that. Let's focus on that. And then I went and tested, Jerome. I tested. I'm always testing. So I'm testing out new habits. I'm testing out new relationships. I'm testing out new strategies. So being open to everything and attached to nothing is crucial in being able to expand your mind. Because if you say, hey, I have not done that before, so I, thus I cannot do this, you're always going to stay the same or go backwards. That's just not ingrained in my DNA. I got a fire that burning inside of me. And you might see people might listen to the $100 million. Wow, did $100 million in real estate this year or is on track to do $100 million. That guy must be living high. I don't feel like that. I feel like I've, I've barely got the wheels off the runway of the plane. When I think about that. I hold my, myself to a standard that says, maybe that goal should have been a billion dollars. How would I have thought differently? If I were to do a billion dollars in real estate, not a million, because there's guys transacting in the multiple billions in Kansas City, Missouri. So I think it's a, a mental belief system that has been constructed over the last three to four years that have allowed me to say, okay, I never did any real estate before 2018. All right, great. Now I did a certain number there. All right, let me double that. 2019, 25, 2020, 50. And you've got to keep pivoting. I have to listen to the market. I have to be able to say, okay, let me think about where the market is and what I can do to hold a choke point. So I'm not trying to do everything that everybody else is doing. I'm trying to find that one thing that's hard that if you can figure out that will bring in all of this different revenue, all these different opportunities. And I'm willing to put up the work, put in the work, roll up the sleeves, so to speak. I don't wear sleeves a whole lot, especially in the morning. But roll up the sleeves a little bit and say, Roger that. Let's go after it. And so I think that I've had this mental construct that has happened the last three years that I have no, I have no barriers. I've got this big idea for next year. Instead of doing 100 million of real estate, I want to raise 100 million in equity. That is a different level. That is a completely different level, which sounds pie in the sky, especially to my partners when I first said that. They're like, yeah, that's a great idea, Logan. I started to put the work in, started to... to make this blank canvas have some paint stripes on it. And and that picture started to come to fruition. Guess what? They're on board now. They're on board now. And so I think you have to have vision. 
You have to be willing to put in the work, the, the quiet time. You commented on Facebook or on LinkedIn the other day after I posted my morning routine and said, look, quiet time is, it's amazing what an hour of quiet time can do. We've got a lot of noise happening. We've got a lot of noise. Just get on social media and see people who think coronavirus is real and people who think that the government is, is a pond or some sort of scheme trying to, to get us to take vaccines. I mean, you will see the extremes going one way or the other. I have never found value in being in this, the extremist mentality. Because if you think about extremism, you have to hold some sort of belief so closely that you're grasping onto it that says, this has got to be right. This is right. This is the only way. And if you read history, that's just not true. I mean, that is just incorrect. That is a cognitive bias that will allow you to go down rabbit holes that is not productive. And I don't have time for not productive. I've got very little time to myself. So when, when I'm putting things into my mind, it's got to be objective. I don't, I can't, if I read something or if I'm studying something and I start to see an agenda coming to fruition, I close that book, I close that article and I put it away. I say, that's great, man. You got your own opinions. That's fantastic. I'm looking for objectivity that I can then create first principles thinking from and break it down so I can hold that true as an identity for myself. So you have to be an independent, unique thinker in these times and in business and in this world to stand apart from the crowd. And a lot of times it's not popular uh, because people want you to take a side on one thing or the other, but that's just not uh, productive to me and uh, something that I've found to be very non-beneficial in, in regards to trying to accomplish goals. So <laughs> I know that was a little bit of a rant, but I think that kind of breaks down at least what I think has allowed me to elevate to the next level every single year and how I will go next year and elevate what we've done this year. And I think it's that laser focus that it takes to grow that way is something that few people possess. And it demands a level of consistency that some people consider to be fathomable, right? It's like, how can you do that over and over again? How can you get up at 3.30? How can you get up at 4? Why would you do that? That's too early. And you like to pick with people and say, hey, I got an extra 22 days on you this year because I did that. So how can you possibly keep up? How could you catch up? If I got a, a whole working month out of the year that you didn't. Yep. So you had to bury your grandma this year. What did preparing that eulogy do for your spirit? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it, I was close to my grandma, but not every day close because she wasn't here. My mom is, is back in Jefferson City. I, I try to put myself in the shoes of someone who lost somebody close, right? And I've prepared two eulogies, my father's and my grandmother's. And each time, obviously, my dad's was a little bit different because uh, I was close in some regards to my father. And that was very close to me. And so I was that person in that scenario. So I took the learnings that I had, that deep kind of emotional process that I took to get some thoughts out. And, and I try to put myself in the position of, okay, if I did see my grandma every single day, like my mom did. Or if I was very close to her on a regular basis, how would I portray a beautiful life? Because that's what she lived. It was, it, and I learned 
from talking to, to my relatives and my grandma, I think a lot of discipline, intentionality, toughness, grit came from my grandma because, and discipline. I mean, she had a lot of kids. She had six kids, I think, five or six kids. I, I forget. Five, five kids. She grew up through, you know, a very difficult time right after the depression. She lived very frugally her whole life. She was a devout Catholic. She was a great mother. She was a great wife to two husbands, by the way. And I tried to think about that. Then I tried to think about what is a great life? Like, because everybody asks you, Lamenti Mori, right? What do you want somebody to say about you when you uh, pass away? And I thought about that a lot too. I married both of these ideas of being close to somebody and then what somebody would want to say about you. And then go find different stories of their lives to be able to portray that. So that's how that, that was the process, right? Okay. So that kind of came to fruition. How it affected me was a massive perspective shift, you know, and took me back to my dad because, you know, what I, it was a, a reminder of how fickle this life is and, and how, if you don't live each day to the fullest, then you're not going to get that day back. And back to your comment, how do you stay consistent? How do you, you know, do all these things on a regular basis? How do you stay focused and intentional about that? What do you want? What do you want? Do you want somebody when you die to stand up there and feel proud to write your eulogy and be up there speaking about you? Or do you want nobody to show up and to say, he was just, he was a good guy and he did these things and, and he lived a good life. I don't want that. I want extraordinary results. And extraordinary gets misconstrued. It's extraordinary, meaning you do ordinary things with extra effort. That's all that is. You don't have to do extraordinary things. You can do small things with great love. That is Mother Teresa. And so being a young individual, seeing my grandma, seeing my father pass away, being involved in both of those processes allowed me to say, Every single day, you need to wring every single last drop of juice out of that day, man. And I think that's a big piece of it. But what happens is people get so fixated on money, on obsessions with success, this definition of success, that they have to have the house and the cars and the clothes and all of this stuff. That's a product of who you are. If you're called to have those things in your life and that's important to you, if you become the type of person that attracts that into your life, it will happen. But there is extraordinarily successful people who dedicated their lives to different things that did not have cars, did not have money, actually took vows of poverty to serve other individuals. Did you know that 90% of the world's population lives on less than $5 a day? $5 a day. And a lot of those people are extremely happy because they found peace in their lives. So your meaning. So I would ask those people, what do you want? The path that I've chosen is not for everybody. It is an extremely rigorous path, but I feel in my heart of hearts, if I've got hearts, I don't know. I feel in my heart that I was given God given talents to communicate, to inspire, to lead, And I'm going to make those talents become strengths on a regular basis. I'm going to use those things because if I live a certain way, I will affect more people, which might see the way that I'm living and then make the world a better place. I mean, we are in a 
very divided world right now. And that's sad to me, man. It's sad because I, I, I can honestly say when I think about people that I'm on bad terms with, it, it, it is very limited, and if, if at all. And I don't want to impact people in a negative way or leave, even if I don't like somebody. There's a lot of people I don't like, but I don't go out of my way to, to try to have a bad relationship with them. It's just, hey, we're not a fit to be close, and that's okay. But this judgment piece was the other big kind of realization, right? So wrote the eulogy for my dad, for my grandmother, buried my grandmother this year, about fell in the mud. It was raining out there. I had my nice new Cole Hans on and it got all muddy on them and all this stuff. Almost fell down and taking her to the grave, all this stuff. Vivid memories now. But this judgment piece that I've been working on all year is has been crucial. So no matter where you are, what you look like, what your beliefs are, I have been able to rid myself of judgment of you as a person. I've been able to separate your beliefs from you being a human being that I need to love and and provide good positive energy to. I used to think I had to change those people. No longer do I have to do that. I don't have to judge them. Now, I have very limited capacity for anyone who's wasting time. If you want to get on my bad side, waste my time. Don't come prepared. Don't show up. I had a guy who ghosted me. Yeah, I won't say it. It's a celebrity that I was supposed to meet this week. Ghosted me. No call, no text. I got my kids early to daycare. I showed up. I had the conference room ready. I had the water. I was prepared, ready to roll on how, how we could work together on certain things. No text, no call, nothing. You think I'm going to call that person back? I don't give a crap who it is. Nothing. That's wasting my time. Now I use the time beneficially. <laughs> Obviously, I pivoted very quickly. But that was a big piece of me being able to let go of judgment for other people. I'm not judging that person. I just wasn't very important to that person. That's fine. But I'm not judging that person. Maybe something happened. Maybe you got a car wreck. Maybe something. I, I don't know. Those are the big findings and big realizations that I had from writing those two eulogies and how it's changed me. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Outstanding. And so you went down that path. I was going to take you anyway. So I went to a funeral this week. And as I was sitting there, I was like, who would carry my casket? Right? And I guess there's two questions there. Who would be willing to? And who would I want to? Yep. Right? And I started going down the list and I got sad. There's not a whole lot of people who are going to make that list Yep. from the I want side of the thing. So have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about who'd you want to carry you to your final resting place? I have not thought about that. I haven't gone that route uh, in my life. I haven't thought about that. Maybe it's because I think I'm 
immortal in some capacity. Maybe it's because I'm fearful of actually going there. Maybe it's because I haven't thought about what it would be like to not achieve all the things that I want to achieve and be able to leave. And maybe it's not worried about it either. I don't know. But no, I haven't thought about that, Jerome. It's an interesting exercise. I think that there would be people lined up to do that. Uh, I really do. But uh, I've never actually gone through that mental exercise before. <laughs> it, it can become a sobering thought, at least it was for me. So yeah. been around the horn. But we haven't come back and touched home base, which is, you know, T, Bella, Z-Man. So what's been the biggest shift in home life with all of the success outside of the home? I think your your four-part credo goes faith, family, fitness, and fun. Future. And future, future. Future should be fun, right? That's right. So number, let's talk about number two, right? What's going on with family and the way you're engaging with family have you made any adjustments to that approach or are you just doing the same thing you've always been doing? I had to be very intentional. I would say this, when you have two children, you have to be hard on disciplines and soft on schedules. And so there's things that happen that are going to throw you for a loop and you got to be able to, to flex very quickly. That being said, Taylor is the most supportive and best mother uh, ever to our children. And there is, other than Jesus Christ and me, there is nothing more important to that woman than those two kids. (laughs) And it is apparent with her time, with her love, and what she does on a regular basis. So so she makes my life extremely easy when it comes to that. So what we did, we moved. That was a big piece. Uh, We moved to a larger home with more space that allowed us to spend a lot of time in our house and be very comfortable, have a yard, and all of these things. That was a really big piece because at the time I was working from home. Taylor was working from home. We had two kids in a, a three-bedroom house that was that wasn't cramped, but you know, it didn't have the space that we have now. Uh, so we made a big shift and sold our home last uh, September and moved to this new house. And uh, that has been a huge benefit. We got different spaces. We got a basement for the kids. We've got different areas that we can go play at. We can move around. That was a couple of big shifts. But the second one, I think, is more important. I had to be more intentional about uh, turning it off. And as we have grown over this last 12, 15, 24 months, I have had to say, okay, it is no longer work time. And you've got to put boundaries in place with your phone. I'm not 100%, but I'm strides better than where we were at. And Taylor and I talk about this a lot is, and when Isabel, when Ezra goes to sleep, because he goes to bed at 6.30, Bella goes to bed about 7.15 or 7.30. But we found ourselves getting on our phone after we put Ezra down, and Isabella would just be walking around. And lately, we've just been asking, Isabella, do you, do you want to play? Of course, she says, yes, what do you want to do? And grabs kind of her little doctor kit or grabs a toy or comes over and grabs a brush and, and brushes this long hair of mine and... and It's just so much fun. Puts on fake makeup, does all the fun stuff. And so instead of being connected to that phone and checking in and and doing whatever we're doing on our phones, we say, hey, we've got 35 to 45 minutes of dedicated time with this little beautiful person. Let's use it to our advantage. So that's really big. Date night with Taylor. So finding time for us to spend time together. 
has been something that's been very important to us. One of Taylor's love languages is she loves getting flowers. And so sometime this year, I don't remember exactly what it is. Maybe you do. I said, hey, I'm going to send my wife flowers every single week. And I did the math. I did the math. So if you think that I'm crazy for buying my wife uh, $65 to $75 worth of flowers every day, you have not uh, lived my life. But I've done the math. For the next 50 years, I know what it's going to cost me to get her flowers every single week. And I also know the ROI on what that means to her because I've also, I don't know how many times I've sent it. We got four weeks, we're nine, 45 times this year, probably, I would say, 45 to 50 times. I take time and I write a little card and she saves those cards and they're on the pin board in our kitchen. So tell me that that's not important. Tell me that that's not important to her. So I've, I've been focused on uh, love languages. I've been focused on intentional time. I've been focused on uh, connecting. Have you ever, and I'll ask your audience this, just looked at your spouse, your partner, whatever it is, and stared at them in the eyes for 10 seconds. And I know you just did this at a conference for much longer than that, right? But just do that. Try to do that once every single day and just look and see that person. Last thing I'll say on this, trading expectations for appreciations. I absolutely changed my outlook. I've traded any expectations I've had of, of my family, of Taylor, for appreciating what they do on a regular basis. And then I think lastly is taking time to help and dedicated time to help and making sure that your partner sees that your family is more important than your work is crucial. Think about this, man. This is misconstrued. We spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week away from our families, away from the most important people in our lives. And then we get, not, not me, but typically people get Saturday and Sunday with their families. So they get 48 hours out of that week with them. Add in the evenings and the mornings, okay, maybe it's 60 hours. That seems off to me. That seems off to me. So we've been taking the kids on little mini vacations. Obviously, we went to Worlds of Fun or Oceans of Fun this year. We're, we're going to Mexico. Just us, I'm going to unplug. So those are all things that we've done to make sure through this growth that your face stays important. We haven't talked about that. But then also the family piece is uh, in front of your fitness and your future. And so we'll go up a level and we'll talk about faith. And so you made adjustments to your schedule. Let's talk about your quiet times in the middle of Wednesdays. Yeah. Well, I heard this quote from Lewis Howes way back when. He said, most high performers have an extremely strong faith, either faith in a higher power or faith in themselves, right? Because I'm not here to be religious for you, but I am here to say that faith is extremely important. And so I took that to heart seven or eight years ago, and it's gone up and down since then. But this year, you challenged me, said, okay, faith is really your important, most important priority. Then where is that showing up? Okay, so obviously in the mornings, I get up early, and a lot of that time is dedicated to reading the scriptures and and praying uh, and meditating and sitting there with that. So that's the quiet time you're speaking of. I think that is uh, extremely important. I get that in every day is really important for me to do that. Do some breathing in there as well. But then I looked at my week, same thing with my family and said, what about during the week? Because you're a Sunday warrior for sure. 
you haven't missed mass at all in regards to going to church, even during the pandemic. But what about during the week? So I was challenged from a close friend and mentor of mine to go to the chapel every other Wednesday and spend an hour of quiet time there during the middle of the week at 10 o'clock in the morning, where it could be a big time for me to be out there pressing on goals and all of the stuff. And uh, so that was every other week. So I started it with that. And then I said, okay, what about the weeks that I'm not going to the chapel? I'm going to find a mass that's really close to my office. And now I can go to mass at 11 o'clock every other Wednesday as well and spend time at church on Wednesday. So now I've got my morning routine with it. I've got Wednesdays taken care of and I got Sundays. So I've got three times at least uh, during the week that I'm focused on that on a regular basis. I think I'm going to need to level that up coming the next year. We'll work through that on the Compression Podcast. But that was a huge shift for me to dedicate time during the middle of the week. And what it has done is allowed me to slow down. Mondays are crazy. Tuesdays are the grind days. Wednesdays, I got to recharge a little bit. So slow down, get perspective, and finish the week strong. So that's been extremely beneficial for me, man. Love it. So you've given the listeners a ton of inspiration, some tactics on how to get this game leveled up. What's the one thing you want them to take away from this episode, man? If they didn't hear anything else. I think it's this, man. It has to be this. It's, I don't care where you are, what you're doing, what you've done in the past. There are going to be two things that hold you back. One is, and the most important, is how you feel about yourself and the beliefs that you have which is tied to the identity that we talked about. The second part is you can't let people, other people tell you who you are. And I mean by this, there are archetypes, there are personas, there are stereotypes out there that if you allow other people to put on you, that will start to become your identity. You have to break through stereotypes and different personas and be who you are. And so the first part of that, your identity, your belief system is the most important piece of it. If you do not identify with somebody that can make change, that can be successful, then you won't take the necessary habits that you need to to do. But then if you allow other people to tell you who you are, that is only going to crush your own beliefs even further. And so understanding your identity, being congruent, and then focusing on, and you talk about this a lot, But putting yourself around the people that will allow you to be congruent with that identity, that's what you have to do to be successful. And if you are not at the level that you want, none of us really are. If you're trying to make change, start with your identity and your belief system and start putting yourself around other people and watch the change happen. Because that's the biggest piece that has happened the last two years for me. Ladies and gentlemen, Logan Freeman, two years makes a world of difference. You don't believe you could change your life with consistent action over the course of a, what I, some people would consider to be a significant amount of time. I think it's a blip in the grand scheme of things. This man is living proof that you can continue to elevate and push for that next level and not have to give up your family or give up your faith in order to accomplish or achieve those objectives. So until the next time, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. 
We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.